Hello, we are live on KBSN, the inaugural show of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Um, today we have our, my, my first guest is my brother, Shane, and of course I have in the studio with me my wonderful wife, Janet, who is also the producer. So uh, we are live on KBSN streaming and live over the air, 1470 AM Moses Lake, um, please uh, call in 509-765-1470. We're also live on my personal Facebook, Sean Needham, and um, actually on Shane Needham's Instagram. So Shane is with me today, and I'd like to introduce him. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself, actually, and, and kind of tell his story about his son's type 2 diabetes, or type 1 diabetes, and how they conquered that. So with no further ado, Shane, I'm going to let you go. Hey, Sean, what a, what a pleasure. Congratulations for your radio show. I am honored and such a privilege to be your first guest. And I do want to share my story. It's part of a what I think is a bigger story in health in our country. And that is that we have a chronic disease problem. And before I get into the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes and the story that we'll be talking about, about taking care of your own health, I want to first say that the chronic disease problem that we have in this country cannot be taken care of by medication, by operations, or by legislation. It has to be taken care of by ourselves and taking care of our own health. And to introduce myself, I am Sean's twin brother, as you can probably see. And we didn't color coordinate today, but we did, but not on purpose. So that's pretty true, cool. True story. True story. Happens all the time <laughs> as twins. But I, I'm, I'm many different things, including a father, a, a scientist, an entrepreneur, and also a health fanatic, bodybuilder, powerlifter, so on and so forth. And so what is my son's story, Sean? How would you like me to start? Because um, you, you, were, you were involved in that story from the very beginning. Well, let's start with it from the very beginning when you kind of um, called me up and you were in tears and you said, um, well, it looks like Britain has type two, di type 1 diabetes. Yeah, so let's start with what type 1 diabetes is. And it's different than type 2. Type 2 diabetes is usually caused by poor health, by overeating, by obesity, and not, not really having a lot of activity. Type 1 diabetes is usually, and that usually happens at an older, older age and in adulthood. Type 1 diabetes usually happens in, usually under 20-year-olds usually, and it, the pancreas just decides to stop working for whatever reason. We really don't know why. It's an immunological problem. And at about age 10, my son's pancreas just decided to stop working. It would no longer produce insulin. And so when we first found out about that diagnosis, it was scary, and his mom ran into the bathroom, was crying hysterically, was screaming, and she was afraid. And so was I, um, because the outcomes aren't necessarily very good for a type 1 diabetic. And right then, what I did is I kicked my scientist hat into gear, and I called up Sean, <clears throat> and he said, Hey, brother, I know lots of people like this, and they can be very healthy. And he said, Remember, this is a carbohydrate metabolism problem and that's how we approached it from there there on out and so we knew that if we could control his diet and if I could give him the right tools to do those things and the right insulin loads basil and bolus for you you, you guys that know about that we can get into more of that if you, if you want that we knew this was something that could be controlled that it's not just something that's willy-nilly it can be scientifically controlled there's lots of research on that. So I hope that helps the introduction as we go on through this, Sean, but there's certainly more details that we could certainly talk about. Well, yeah, let's get into those details. So I know, you know, typically they went through the, you know, our healthcare system went through the normal process when they um, diagnosed somebody with type 1 diabetes and they admitted him to the ICU because his blood sugars were crazy high and they, um, you know, definitely got his blood sugars under control. And tell me about a little bit of that hospital stay and what they talked to you when it came to dietary issues, what, how did that go? Yeah, so 
I had already been doing a little bit of research on my own on the internet, and I had already had a couple of books and talked to a couple of people about these things, and we'll get into that specific person maybe later. But what it was was when we got to, luckily, I've always taught my son to be independent, and he said he was even 10, and he says, I don't want anybody giving me shots. He says, I'm going to do this, and to this day, nobody's ever given him a shot of insulin. He always wanted to do it himself, and I'm proud of him for that. And um, I want you to know he's a very healthy individual now. This is like uh, eight years later. He's a four-time state placer in wrestling. He's a, a, a three-time, four-time state champion wrestler. He, incredible kid. Straight-A student. Incredible kid. Going to be a doctor and an anesthesiologist someday. But what happened is we, we met with a dietitian, and first of all, I, I, these, are, these are not easy questions and easy things to talk about. But this dietitian that was supposedly an expert in dietetics came in the room, and these are not easy things. These are just my observations. And I think as we hire people to help us, that they have to be credible in what they're going to do and the information they're going to give you. If you hire, for example, a bicycle coach, you want them to be an expert bike racer. If you hire an expert powerlifter, if you want to be a better powerlifter, you hire a good powerlifting coach. And this particular individual came into our room and started I'll just be honest, she was probably 100 pounds, 150 pounds overweight, and she started to speak to us about how my son could eat, and he could eat anything he wanted as long as he just gave himself more insulin. I knew that wasn't right. I knew as a scientist and, and knowing a lot about pharmaceuticals that if you just eat and then inject more stuff, more insulin, it's not going to control your numbers. They're going to be up and high, and they're going to be really low. And if you talk to anybody that doesn't control their diet and they're diabetic, that's exactly what happens to their blood glucose numbers. And so I just knew there had to be a better way, Sean. And that's when I started doing further research. And we can get into that more as we go on. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about this. When you did, when you did get discharged from the hospital, you had a good conversation with Britton. And tell me how that conversation went. Well, it was a good conversation. And I, I know these are not easy conversations to have. And I want everybody to know I am not a perfect dad. But the conversation that I had with Britton is I said, Britton, God has made every single one of us special in this world. And he's giving all of us challenges. This is not a pity party. This is a challenge that God has given you that you are going to have to overcome. And it's not my issue, it's yours. And he was 10 years old, and he took that to heart. And he really, really did. And it just started a, a process of what we'd, I mean, I wanted to make sure he was healthy and give him the right tools. So I would actually make grass like a scientist would, and I would actually monitor him at night, wake up every two hours of my own. He wouldn't even wake up. I'd prick his finger, get the blood glucose meter, check his blood, and monitor this. So we knew exactly how to do his insulin levels. He would eat five grams of carbohydrates, we would see what happened to his blood. I, I, I would help him with his blood. 20 grams of carbohydrates, so on and so forth. And certainly what we saw is that if you're a type 1 diabetic, you can't eat a lot of carbohydrates and expect your A1C, which is basically your blood glucose level, you can't expect your blood glucose levels to be stable. That's been proven time and time and time again. But it's not a pity party. The schools have tried to put him in special class. They've tried to put him in special testing rooms because he's a, he's a type 1 diabetic. And I said, I won't allow it. No way. He is not handicapped. He has, a, he has a challenge like all of us have challenges, and we have to overcome that. So tell me a little bit about how you think that when you empowered Britain, I, I will tell my patients, you know, any disease they have, whether it's hypertension or whether it's diabetes or whether... Um, it's high cholesterol, especially diabetes. There is no dietitian, there is no doctor, there is no pharmacist, there is no drug that can control your blood glucose better than you can. Patients have to be empowered to realize they are in charge of their own health. And a doctor is literally, or a pharmacist is just literally there to help them um, and teach them a little bit. But the answer is the patients have to be empowered. And I think, is that kind of what you're saying you did with Britain? Oh, my goodness. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what actually happens. And, you know, there might be those people out there that say, oh, I want my kid to eat cake and ice cream. And you know what? I, I sometimes want to eat cake and ice cream too, but I don't. I don't very, very often because I know what it does to my blood, blood glucose. I know what it does to my health. And I was more concerned about his long-term health. And But, yeah, when I saw that it empowered him, 
and people would see the success that he was having, then I started getting calls from other, other, other people, even across the country. I actually got a call from a mother who now has an NCAA wrestler at Penn State, and her son is a type 1 diabetic cadet world champ, or cadet national champ, cadet world team member. She called me for type 1 diabetes advice, and it, it gave her a lot of good advice. And But when you empower your own children or yourself to heal yourself, it is actually empowering. There is no way that a doctor, a pharmacist, or a healthcare provider can provide a better solution for your own health than you. And that's what I saw with Britton. And he's, he's well on his way. You know, as an adult now, I don't monitor him, but I gave him the tools as a parent to get the best, best healthcare outcomes possible. So tell me some, I, I know that you had to navigate a little bit the, the healthcare system. And tell me a little bit about that story about, you know, what insulin you were started on and, and how that worked with your health insurance and then what you have now and just go into that a little bit. Yeah, it's another great story, Sean, about empowering ourselves and making sure we make the best solutions for ourselves. So we basically we were on a what they call a designer insulin, and that's let's just say three to five hundred dollars a month, okay. And we would go see this this healthcare specialist up in Spokane, Washington, that worked with a lot of type one diabetics. And I'll give you that story that I. I just wasn't, I wasn't satisfied with him, to be honest with you, and I didn't think it was the best for my son. He's actually, and I, I do not want to get into a political conversation. If you want to talk about nutrition, great. He happened to be a vegan. He happened to have, say he, that high carbohydrates are good. He had two twin sons that were type one diabetic, and he actually showed me their A1C and their blood, blood glucose le- levels at times, and they were all over the place. And they would go low and high and pass out and stuff like that, which was just crazy. I knew that wasn't right. And so he would look at all our numbers. And finally I said, what actually happened, we, had, we, had, we did have health care insurance back then. And what they actually told me once, Britain was on a, on a, um, a medical device, a, an insulin pump for a while, which I don't think is the answer. I just don't. There's a lot of research on that, okay, especially as a wrestler when he's active. But I called to get some more supplies because he ran out of supplies, and the healthcare insurance company told me, "Oh no, you've met your maximum for the month. You have to buy them yourself." And I fired him on the spot. I said, "We can do this better, and we can do it with our own money." So, what we do now, we don't. He doesn't even see a doctor. Doesn't even see an MD. He controls it himself, and he has non-prescription insulins, and his A1Cs are under five like a healthy non-type 1 diabetic and it is actually incredible and we treat this disease for less than 150 bucks a month and that is absolutely incredible and so we self-pay don't see a doctor because I knew that he could treat this better for himself than he could with an actual MD and that's 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 what we've been doing now let me just add on to that that you know um this is a very individual decision and everybody has to treat their diabetes themselves and the doctors or healthcare providers are great teachers to help you. Now, Britain figured it out. Um, I will tell you this, that in the healthcare market, um, there has been over-the-counter insulin. A lot of people don't, don't realize this, but there has been over-the-counter insulin since 1983, where actually earlier than that, but the human insulin was in 1983. So insulin has been over-the-counter for a long time. Now, a lot of people don't realize that. And unfortunately, there are some healthcare providers that don't realize that. So they prescribe the more expensive prescription-only insulin, and the over-the-counter insulin can work just fine and save lots and lots of money. You can get it at Walmart for like $25 a vial. So um, realize that you know we are not promoting that you know you don't see a doctor. There are definitely some great things about that for sure. But just realize that there are diabetics for years that did monitor their di- monitor their diabetes and treat it themselves because really no matter what kind of insulin you're on or what kind of drug you are on diabetes is a carbohydrate metabolism problem you have to control your diet and lifestyle for sure it's a, it can be a lifestyle re- related disease and especially for type 2 diabetes so um Shane, tell me a little bit about 
um, how Britain is it checks his blood glucose now. So one of his goals several years ago was, and I really like, I want to, I'm going to concur with that, that I, I want to talk about nutrition is something that's very um, interesting to me. It's something I've always followed, always studied. And as a, I have a PhD in chemistry, but I've, I've always kind of really, really liked um, nutrition. And I want you to, when, when we started talking about carbohydrates, I want you to think about this. There are essential amino acids, that's your protein. There's three micro, three macros that you have to have to live. Protein, and you actually have to have to have, you can live off carbohydrates or glucose and also um, fatty acids. So you have to have fat and there's essential fatty acids and there's essential amino acids and that's your protein. There is no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. Your body will make glucose or ketones for energy. Okay, well, we got to pay the bills, so we are going to take a break and we will be back shortly. Thanks for listening. You don't have to get all nervous. You can just go, hey, we're going to chat more with my brother about this. And uh, you don't have to say pay the bills. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back, I've we'll heard be people, back with more. I've heard people say that. Yeah, so. yeah that's a cliche. <laughs> don't, don't use that. Okay. Um, great story, man. I'm just, yeah. I'm just sitting here. He's a good goosebumps. kid. Man. Yeah, he's a good kid. And I'm an so asshole we, controlling parent that just hey, wants to We are still live on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're live. <laughs> Thanks for watching, folks. We are still live on Facebook, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Please send in comments. Please send in questions. We will answer them after um, the show is done. Oh, yes. Realize, too, if you, if you don't have Facebook, um, we are streaming live on KBSN. So just Google KBSN um, live stream Moses Lake, and it will come up. Um, Also, we don't be afraid to call in, please. We want callers, so give us a call with your questions. Uh, KBSN 509-765-1470. Hey, those people listening live on my Instagram, call on in. Call us. I can see who's calling and online right now. Call on in. I'd love to hear from you. 509-765-1470. Thank you for watching. All right, we are back at KBSN 1470 AM in Moses Lake. So thank you for watching on Facebook, and thank you for listening in. Um, we are live, so give us a call, 509-765-1470. If you or anybody you know is a diabetic and they have questions about price of medications, about eating, please call us in. Um, so let, Shane, let's continue the story. So. Um, where were we at? We were kind of talking about um, Britain checking his blood glucose. So let's go, let's start off right there. Yeah, so for, for anybody that knows a little bit about type 1 diabetes, and I'm, I'm in, you basically check your blood glucose. And so you use this blood glucose meter that's actually an awesome invention that is in the tools of us personally that you can control, you can 
test yourself. It's a biomarker. Glucose is a biomarker, and it's going to say how blood you're... You want to have a range of blood glucose in, let's say, between 80 and 120. That's what the normal range for a healthy individual is. Now, of course, the American Diabetic Association will say it's okay to have ranges sometimes in the 200s, and that's wrong information. So one of the things that I did immediately when I started doing some research for with Britain was I reached out to Dr. Berenstein. Dr. Richard Berenstein is a type 1 diabetic himself. He's over 90 years old. He's still a practicing type, type 1, type, practicing um, MD. And his patients have A1Cs at 4.5, which is actually better than most Americans have in an A1C. And an A1C is your average blood glucose level. So I talked to him, read his book. I'm going to put an ugly plug in there. But for those, this is what I read. It's a thick book. But it's called Diabetes Solutions. Check it out. And I have people reaching out to me now, and I, I recommend that book to them. That's what we did. We followed his protocol, how to eat, um, how to check your blood, so on and so forth. But again, I did the research with Britain to see how it affected him individually. And we, what we saw is he could eat maybe 20 grams of, of carbohydrates at one time without getting outside the range of 80 to 120. And so that's what we did. I mean... You have a handheld blood glucose monitor. You can get these from Walgreens, from Walmart, from CVS. You can get them for 10 bucks. I mean, that is not an expense. And then you can get actually the strips for less than 20 bucks a month if you get the right ones. And so... Okay, let's... If you don't mind me interrupting just really quickly so we can go off on that. So because typically people think that testing supplies are really, really expensive. I know that you had some issues with certain testing supplies. So... Tell me how you navigated around that system. Well, thank you, Sean. A lot of that was with you. I asked you because you being a pharmacist. And so here's how the system works. And it's actually stacked against the patients, okay? All right? So they actually, I don't have the, all this jargon. And, and, you know, plug in here, brother, if you have it. But the, the Medicare system and the Medicaid system in our country allows allowables. For example, with with testing strips and, and glucose, they allow it as a dollar a strip or something like that. Well, that's not the free market at work. And that's not capitalism. And capitalism can bring costs down. So we get just as good as strips. And I want you to, people to know, when I talk about Walmart, the first thing people say is, well, the quality's not there. I want you to remember, with all humility, I'm an analytical chemist. I validated systems. And I checked, I checked, I checked strips at Walgreens, at CVS, at Walmart. I checked... Um, blood glucose monitors at all those places too and I tested and they're all the same okay it's an easy test so and so we navigated that so now we buy a hundred strips for 17 bucks a hundred strips okay so give me an example when you had typical healthcare insurance how much were you paying for strips um over a dollar a strip because that's a medicare allowable so that's what you of course what you charge correct yeah and so we might not know what the pharmacy was charging. Um, what were you actually paying out of pocket? You know, I don't know all the details, Sean, but here's what I can tell you. The disease that Britain had, or the challenge, I don't even like to call it a disease, the challenge that Britain had of type 1 diabetes, we used to spend when he had a pump nearly $1,000 a month. Now it's $150. Okay, now let me get this right, because the listeners really need, listen up, listeners. So you're telling me, when you had typical health care insurance, you were paying $1,000 a month out of your pocket. And now when you pay cash, you pay less than one fifty. Well, Sean, I'm going to say it's more than that. Because back then when we actually had, a, had our health care insurance, we were paying nearly 800 or $900 as a family. Now we pay less than 200 bucks as a family. So the, the costs were huge. And here's the deal. The health care benefit is even better. Because we have, he, we have skin in the game. And now he has to be in control of his actual health care. And that's what it's about. It's about having skin in the game. So I don't think what a lot of what a lot of people don't understand, and this is one thing we get day to day in our pharmacy, is people have health insurance, right. so they want to use it. And I get that because either they pay a lot for it or their employer pays a lot for it. But from what you're saying, and I can tell you from what I validate day to day, um, hundreds of times, is that many times... You're saying it is less expensive to pay cash for services and you get better service and a cheaper price. I'm not saying many times, Sean. Here's what I'll tell you. I've never experienced it not to be that way. It's always cheaper to pay cash. Yeah, and um, one thing I can say too is when the free market is at work in that situation, it, you get better service also. So, 
um, that that's great. So, um, and another one thing that we have to realize too is when you are in charge um, of your healthcare and you are empowered either to pay and to get, you know, good service, um, you and and have skin in the game, you are going to shop around. So you're going to make sure you get the best price at the best service, right? Correct. Always. I mean, that's what we did. As I, so you got to think about with a type one diabetic, you're going to have four main things that cost money. You're going to have your basal insulin, okay, and that's going to be what you use to keep your blood sugar level um, throughout the day, okay. And we can, again, without a prescription, you can get that at about twenty five dollars a month, okay. And then you have bolus insulin. That's what you do. What you take when you eat. Again, $25 a month. Then you have needles, okay, and or like, you know, for injection needles. And again, shop around, and you can get those for 25 bucks. And you can, there's about 100 of them for, I think, $18 or something like that. You might know the price better than me. I'm not sure. But it's, it's less than 25 bucks. And then you have your test strips. And again, you can get about 100 now at Walmart for $18. And you're, so you're talking, that's, that's less than 100 bucks, less than 150 bucks a month for sure. That is... For example, less than most people spend on a cup of coffee every single day. I want you to think about that. That's, le- that's, 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 that's less than a smartphone. That's less than a lot of times cable television. So when we say that healthcare is, what would I say, Sean, um, um, a, a right? Um, no, it's a choice. It's a choice that how, what you prioritize to spend on. And I, I didn't want to make, make any, any sacrifices with my son's, my son's health or my own health. And so that's the approach that we take. Well, I think one of the issues is, and you mentioned it early on in the show, is that it's a chronic disease management issue sometimes in our healthcare system that we don't do a very good job of. And let's face it, chronic disease and diabetes, even though diabetes type 1 is, you know, can be genetic and, you know, it's not something caused by your lifestyle necessarily. It can be, but not necessarily. You still have to monitor it with good lifestyle choices. And unfortunately, in our healthcare system, we, you know, it's more of a sick care system. It's not, it's not um, really a place to, to help people get healthy because like the doctor that Britain quit going to that was prescribing prescription insulin, uh, insulin that was $400 a month. Well, the doctor, the doctor does not get a visit from Britain anymore. And, um, you know, the pharmacist doesn't get the, the money for that insulin anymore. He gets a $25 vial of, of less expensive insulin. Now, in reality, Britain is probably a lot healthier and I'm not saying don't go to your doctor and doctors are great resources and farms are great resources. So please, diabetics, do not get me wrong. It's not that you shouldn't go to your doctor, but realize your doctor is a helper in your disease state, which means you have to be empowered to control those things. And um, ultimately, you will be better off that way. Well, Sean, you bring up a very good point. And when I think about chronic disease and you and I have talked a lot about this in our weekly conversations and just over the last many years, but chronic disease, one of the chronic diseases that we, that we deal with, and these are, I want, I want everybody to know, these are not easy subjects. They're difficult to talk about. They're difficult for MDs to talk about. They're difficult for our healthcare providers to talk about because we live in a world now where we are afraid of hurting people's feelings. We're afraid of offending them. But sometimes we have to get people on the right track and tell them the truth. And what I, what I can say is I am a pretty direct speaker, but I can say people reach out to me for health and fitness advice, for nutrition advice, for type 1 diabetic device, advice, because they want to know what, that you're going to tell them the truth. And I think, I, I too think that MDs and healthcare providers, they have a huge part in our system. But here's the deal. With chronic disease, and the main one is obesity, and let's think about this. What we put in our mouths is going to cause, obesity can cause, you help me out here, Sean, high cholesterol. It can cause um, heart disease, help me out. It can cause, well, a lot of people have to get new joints because they're too heavy. Um, What else do we have? Oh, sleep apnea. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah, you're right. Joint issues, hypercholesterol, high blood pressure. Um, all diseases that can be foot problems, all diseases that can be, um, you know, remedied by, by definitely being um, an ideal body weight. Yeah, and, and what I, what I want to do is I just want, like, like Sean, he's told me what one of his goals is and what his, what his mission is, and it's just to inspire people to get healthy. And I'm the same way. 
And sometimes you have to have direct talk to do that. And so it, that, that's, we're all part of the solution. But with our chronic disease state right now, I don't care who's paying for it because that's what a lot of people complain about. Well, that means, oh, the healthcare, you know, health insurance company should pay for it or the government should pay for it. Well, I don't care who's paying for it. Look at the numbers. It is not sustainable economically. It is absolutely not, no matter how you look at it. This has to be treated at a ground roots level. Well, it has to be treated at the patient level. And like you say, the patient has to have skin in the game. And I think that's one of the problems with our our healthcare system is that many times the patient has no skin in the game. So if if it costs them nothing, then they are not going to be um, very motivated to get better. So... You know, and I'm actually writing a book about this. Um, you can check out my Facebook page. The it's on Facebook. It's called "Sickened" and how the government ruined healthcare and how to fix it. And some of the fixes we're going to be talking about in in our show and in um, over the next few weeks, we're going to have um, callers and guests from all over the country speaking about you know free market medicine and how insurance is really health insurance is really um, messed up really our healthcare system. So I'm hoping you guys will listen in some of those shows. And um, we are live, uh, KBSN 1470. Call in, taking callers. Please give us a call, 509-765-1470. So another thing, Shane, about about this, you tell me about, we talked about allowables. So you're talking about allowables and, um, you know, how the insurance market is kind of based on what they can charge. So is that kind of why things get expensive because um, insurance companies can kind of charge what they want because somebody else is paying the bill or um, the healthcare providers can charge what they want because somebody else is paying the bill? Well, you know, Sean, that's a good question, a question that I've often pondered. First of all, I wonder if um, for some, some of our other listeners out there to describe it, describe what an allowable means. Are you asking me? Absolutely. <laughs> well, that, you know, I mean, that's one of the crazy things is usually those allowables um, come from a government bureaucrat and, and usually it's based on a Medicare allowable and all insurances are basically based on, on Medicare allowables. So it all starts from there. So, um, and an allowable, describe, so, so he's in the healthcare industry, which allowable means that a lot. It's an easy term in the healthcare industry, but what that means is what will the insurance company allow you to charge? And why can this insurance company charge a certain amount? So now let's start connecting the pieces that Sean already connected. Here's what it is. The insurance companies are in bed with the government. The insurance companies, there's very few of them, and the government tells them what they can charge. And so they charge the maximum they can. And so I beg the listeners that are listening, go ask your healthcare professionals in the industry how this works, and you will start opening your eyes to why one of the reasons why our healthcare system is broken. I'm telling you, the government can't fix this. In fact, that's why it's broken. Read Sean's book. I've, I've read a lot about it, and actually there's a, there's a chapter in there that, about some of the things that we've already talked about that I had a little bit of saying it too. Go start asking your healthcare providers about allowables, about why things cost so much, and what the cost is in a hospital versus a surgery center and all those things. And your eyes will be wide open. We have to get this information out because our current system is unsustainable. Well, that's one of the reasons I'm writing a book. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing a radio show because I want to educate consumers. And speaking of asking your provider, um, you know, maybe somebody can call in and give us a story about this. But um, I know I've had stories about trying to ask a, a healthcare provider how much something's going to cost. And they just give you the deer in the headlight look. Well, we have no idea. And that is very frustrating. We, as consumers, have to know what costs are and we have to shop around because um, that's what's going to help. That's what's going to help the market get better. That's what's going to fix it is, is free market type principles. Now, I realize my book, Sickened How the Healthcare Real, um, Ruined, how the, how the Government Ruined Healthcare, I am finishing it up right now. It is not available yet. You can go to the website or the Facebook page, um, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare, and you can get the, f- um, the first chapter free. And, and let you realize, you'll realize one thing, is that I'm here because I've been one of those consumers. I've, you know, my wife and I have been those people um, where we are paying way too much for healthcare. And let me tell you, in 10 years ago now, 
I was 60 pounds overweight. I had high cholesterol. I had um, um, high blood pressure. My knees hurt. My feet hurt. I was having all kinds of health problems. And, of course, I went to a doctor, and they wanted to prescribe medications for me. They didn't really give me an option about losing weight. Now, you know what? Honestly, I'm a different kind of guy maybe, but I would have rather had a doctor look me in the eye and say, you know what, Sean? You know what you need to do. You need to flip and lose weight. You are fat, buddy, and these things would go away if you lost weight. Well, I did lose weight over a period of four, four or five months, and all those things went away. I, and I would almost guarantee you, 10 years later, I would still be on those medications and more if I did not lose weight. So realize that you guys, patients, are empowered with their own health. And um, so if anybody has any questions, anybody's a diabetic or, or knows a diabetic, have them call in. Um, have them go to our Facebook. Um, I'm streaming live on my Facebook, Sean Needham, and Shane Needham's Instagram. And, of course, you can call in KBSN 509-765-1470. We are here in the KBSN studio with Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where we talk everything healthcare. Hey, Facebook friends, we are streaming live. Thanks for being with us. We are in a commercial break right now on air. Um, please feel free to make comments. We will answer them after the show. And please call in 509-765-1470. We would love to have a caller on the air um, with any questions. So we are going to um, start again shortly and be talking more about nutrition. Hey, same on my IG page. I see some of you are online. Um, make some comments. I, I'm not going to wave to you right now. I could with my little wave button on IG, but I'm glad you're online. Thank you very much. And uh, it's going really, really well. If there's anything you want us to talk about, let us know. We've still got about 15 minutes left in this show. Thanks for joining us. And thanks, Sean and Janet, for the opportunity. All right. Okay. We are. All right. Here we are back in the studio, the KBSN studio live at 1470 AM KBSN. So we are. This is Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where we talk about everything healthcare. I am live with my twin brother, Shane, and of course, my wonderful wife, Janet. She is a producer. And Shane, let's um, kind of start back on nutrition. So Tell me a little bit about what a diet either Dr. Bernstein recommends or, you know, maybe what, what your son eats a little bit. Um, go, let's go into that a little bit. 
Yeah, well, first of all, with diets, what we've learned, of, it's something I've been fascinated with since about the age of 15 or 16. And obviously, we've gone through the low cholesterol diets, the low fat diets, the low carb diets, all these different things. And what I want to say is you got to find what works for you. And there's three different body types, and I'm not going to get into them, but you can research them yourself. But there's ectomorphs, endomorphs, and mesomorphs. And all those require probably different ratios of proteins, carbohydrates, and um, fats, and different types of macros. Sean and I are, are mesomorphs. That Anyway, you can go look up at what that, what that means. So we kind of eat very similarly. So how? what are those diets? That, that basically means we're short and squatty. Yes, it does, actually. Actually, it means we're butt kickers is what it means. That's right. It's called the gladiate, gladiator body, right? That's I, what, li- that's I like that is. better. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, and that all those body types have their advantages and disadvantages, okay? And an, an ectomorph, for example, is long and skinny, small joints. And then an endomorph tends to be bigger boned and probably more pear-shaped, okay? So just to let you know that. And they all have probably their different requirements. And so instead of being dogmatic with an approach for a diet and say, everybody should eat this way, everybody should be keto, everybody should be paleo, everybody should be carnivore, whatever, is find out what works for you. But if you're, if you're obese and overweight, it's not working. I'm just being honest. And so, but I want to point you to a book that Dr. Rob Wolf. Um, wrote. He's kind of like the father of paleo. I've met him at several paleo type conferences and I actually don't follow paleo. I don't follow keto. I don't follow carnivore. I follow the Shane diet and it works for me. And I've had to tweak things to see what works, how much protein I can eat, how much and what my goals are and so on and so forth. How much protein, how much fat, how much carbohydrates. My diet tends to be, and it's very, it's, it's actually true for a lot of mesomorphs, very low carbohydrate. So it, it works for me. I don't, I, it works for me. That means I burn usually fat as fuel, okay? And so I want to point you to a book called Wired to Eat because for those of you that have struggled with your weight, and we've talked about Sean's story, okay? And here's what I know too. I've never probably struggled as much as maybe Sean did, but I have struggled because with the types of bodies that Sean and I have, when we eat just a little bit of excess calories, boom, we get fat. It's just what happens. Would you agree that with that, Sean? Yeah, I would. And, you know, here just, you know, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent because I want to talk more about that Wired to Eat book. But, um, you know, just to let you know about, you know, obviously we're twin brothers and we have similar body types. You can see that on Facebook. Um, although Shane is a power lifter slash bodybuilder and I am an endurance mountain bike racer. So we, our metabolisms are way different. So let me tell you, um, I probably eat more carbs in a day than he eats in a week. A month. Yeah, maybe a month. <laughs> and we'll share, you know, we'll share our our um, diets with each other sometimes, and it'll just be kind of comical because he'll laugh at my diet and I'll kind of laugh at his. But also, let's realize this. I found out what worked for me. And I can tell you, as an endurance athlete, low-carb diets don't work. And believe me, Shane and I have debated this. For him, they don't work. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And, and you know... Of course, he doesn't know about endurance athletes, so he's a bodybuiler. So, but we've argued that, and we'll we'll just we'll just agree to disagree. But Agreed. the point is, is that you got to find out what works for you. Absolutely. And I, I will tell you, I what worked for me was higher carbs. Now, by the way, though, when I I do that when I'm burning the carbs, when I'm not burning the carbs, I don't eat a lot of carbs. So it you know my diet varies a lot depending on my exercise level. So. You know, let's go back into this book, Shane, Wired to Eat. Tell yeah, me about so that. Dr. Rob Wolf, he's a he's a educated bio, um, PhD in biochemistry, and then now he's kind of a self-educated nutritionist. So I've met him several times at paleo conferences, and he, I mean, I, we just get along really well. I mean, because I have a PhD in chemistry, he has a PhD in biochemistry, and we're kind of self-taught nutritionists. And he wrote this book several years ago called Wired to Eat. And what I want, want, want us, everybody to know out there that struggles with maybe overeating is that this is how primally or historically we are wired. We are wired to eat as much as possible when it's available and do as little as possible. That's evolutionary speaking, right? Absolutely. Evolutionary, absolutely. You think about, so Sean, think about, even when I talked, when we, 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 actually when we talked to our father who grew up, let's just say in the 1950s, and we say, Dad, and you, you look at him and his brothers and they were like lean and muscular. That's what you would call them nowadays. Would you agree that with that, Sean? Oh, absolutely. When, yeah. we, when you see pictures from guys back then, it's just like they're, 
they were all lean. And so you asked me, so I asked my dad, I'm like, well, did you guys weight train and what did you eat? And he's like, we ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I said, what did you eat for snacks? He says, we didn't have snacks. There was nothing in the cupboard. And you didn't have you ice cream. You didn't have seconds. No. Have and, seconds. And, and so, and, and they were just always moving as well. But we are wired historically. But we, when we didn't have adequate food supplies to kill an animal, whatever, and you might not kill another animal for a week. So you feed your whole family or your whole tribe with that animal, buffalo, giraffe, wherever we live in the world, or a walrus, okay? And then you don't, might not eat for a while. And so, but now we have unlimited food supplies. And believe me, that is hard to turn away. It's hard, it's hard to not put donuts in your, on your counter. It's hard to not put chips in your, in your cupboards. It's hard. And, it, and of course, our kids are influenced by this too, by food companies and their friends and so on and so forth. So we're wired to eat as much as possible and, and not move. Well, right, because that's... We don't want to. Sp- we want to spend as little energy as possible because it's hard to get that next food supply, or it was traditionally. Well, let's think about this a little bit. Let's think about what a lion does. Let's think about a lion's life. Okay, a lion sits around. I think. I think it's about twenty-three hours a day. Actually, well, it's like a cat too, but they sit around twenty-three hours a day, and then they get hungry about every two or three days, and so they go kill kill something. But then they might not eat for two or three days. And I'm not saying we're totally related to lions, but evolutionary-wise, you think about what a caveman did or a cave person did, whatever, I want to be politically correct as much as possible. And so, but that's what we live primarily, is we would kill an animal, maybe have some roots and tubers to eat, but not all the time, and then we wouldn't eat for days. Yeah, and so not only are we wired to eat, but we are wired to store what we eat. So... If we eat excess, we will store it as fat. So that's one of our problems now. And, you know, one thing I, I and it, it, believe me, it's a difficult thing for me. I, I My weight is going to be a lifelong struggle the rest of my life. I've found out how to deal with it, but I still, I could be overweight. I could gain 30 pounds in a month if I wanted to. And that, that, there was no lie. I've done that before. I could definitely do that. So, and one of the hardest things is, is when we get home. So for anybody listening, if they're having issues, it's that, you know, when you get home and basically there's a full fridge and a full cupboard and you have unlimited access to it, that's when times get difficult and that's when we we start storing too much. So, um, you know, plan appropriately is one of the things. Yeah, well, one of the things that I do every single day, um, and it's because my, my I wouldn't call my diet boring at all. I wouldn't. I, I like it. I actually don't crave the cookies and donuts and stuff anymore because they don't make me feel well after I eat them and so I don't really crave them anymore and so um, actually I see my I gotta make a plug to my daughter my daughter's online hey there daughter I won't say your name hi Berlin <laughs> oh uh, Teal Sean just said your name good to see you Brian and uh, thanks Oops. for watching sweetie and so um, anyway and so but I don't struggle with that as much anymore but I still do have to watch what I eat but I plan what I eat every single day I know what I'm going to eat every single day. And that keeps me, and I, I, and I monitor it, and that keeps me from, I guess, snacking or cheating or whatever. I don't even like to use the words cheat and relationship with food. There's no such thing as a cheat or a relationship with food. That's with relationships. I mean, food is not a relationship. Food is a way to get fuel and to live, period. Leave it at that. I be nothing. Correctly. Do not make it an emotional statement. The simple thing I tell patients is eat to live. Don't live to eat. Period. Yeah. Period. So I, I, I want to I segue into that about, um, you know, the, the whole diet thing. And um, so what, what does, does um, Britain eat low carb now? How does, how does that work? Well, you know, that's a good question, Sean. I mean, so, you know, my son, I, and like all my children, my role as a parent is to get them to adulthood, and then I don't really know what they do. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not, it's no sign I don't know what they do. I'm not controlling what they do. I want to give them the appropriate tools. So I don't follow Britton around 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I don't know. I know he's a good kid. I know he's, you know, he's uh, it's his first year at University of Missouri, Kansas City. I know he's he's healthy. He's playing rugby. He's... You know, still a, a great student, getting all getting A's and do, taking chemistry and biology, and we talk about that. But what does actual diet consist of? I don't know. It's just like when our when our kids get to be an adult, it's like we've given them the tools, and if we haven't given them the tools early enough before that time, then that's actually on the parent. But after they become an adult, 
that's on them. I'm not going to micromanage my kid's life after they become an adult. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it does. And, you know, um, for those of you that are watching my Facebook or, you know, this is going on public and I and all my posts on Facebook are public. So go in and there's a great story with my son, my my youngest son. So he struggled with weight just as I did because I was not a very good role model 10 years ago. And um, and about seven, seven, eight years ago, seven years ago, I think um, he decided to change his life. And yeah, I helped coach him. Absolutely. And I, I had lost weight first a few years before that. But then um, he realized he was struggling. I mean, you know, people that are overweight, we don't have to tell anybody or if you're, over, you know, I know when I was overweight, I nobody had to tell me I knew who I was. Um, so anyway, we got him on a program and, you know, go look at my Facebook, Sean Needham. Um, go look at it. It's a public profile. You can follow this on a public profile. Um, you don't have to be a friend. Um, go ahead and follow me or, or you can friend me. Um, and yet, um, my son, he lost like 40 pounds in, in five months. And now he is a rock star. He wants to um, be a, you know, study nutrition science. He works out six days a week. Um, and I got to say, that's because his mom and dad, that's what he sees his mom and dad do. So parents, realize your kids are watching you. Be good examples for them. You know, I, I like that. I'm going to segue into that, Sean, if you don't mind. That's a that's a perfect introduction is that, you know, first of all, his son's story is actually very inspirational. And, I, and I, I'm with his son a lot now. And see him, you see him, I already saw him a couple times this summer. It's tr- he's transformational. Transformed transformed how he looks, how, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to make this about looks, but how he performs and how his confidence level and his esteem level has changed. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's an inspiring story. As, a, as a, I've, in my previous life, I've been a wrestling coach of three of my boys, and I stepped down um, last year, but it was a, it was, what I want, what Sean was saying is parents being an example. Here's what I used to always see as a coach, as a wrestling coach, is that you would get these parents that wanted to push their kids, and they would say, I want them lifting weights. I want them to eat better. I want them to be in this weight class. I want them to be training five days a week, whatever it is, right? Yet the parents weren't pushing themselves and doing that. And so if you think your children, if you can coach them and push them, if you're not doing the same things, you gotta look in the mirror. I'm just being honest. It's, it starts at home. Believe it, me, I've been there, done that. It starts at home individually with the parents. You know, it's like the parent that tells their kid to quit smoking, but they smoke. Not gonna happen. So this has been a great show and thank everybody for for listening in and Shane thank you for coming in as a guest on in our goal show I I love the fact that you share your story your your son's story about his diabetes and I just love how the fact that you and him have conquered that as a team and um, I hope other people are inspired with that so this is our first show of health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham where we talk about everything healthcare. I am super excited for other shows, and we are going to be streaming live on Facebook, and we'll be live here at KBSN 1470 AM every Monday at 1 to 2 p.m. Next Monday, we have a guest, um, and he has he is a provider, an ARMP, and he'll be on our show, so you don't want to miss out. He will talk about free market solutions to healthcare, so don't want to miss out. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Facebook listeners. Please, please, please write in comments. Um, thank you for watching. Tune in next Monday at 1 to 2 p.m. Um, make comments. We will, we will uh, chat later and we will answer those comments later. Thank you so much for watching.